0: Pegasus podcast listeners, we have breaking news, and this is a special segment that we're doing. Full disclosure, it's a little bit of time traveling. As we recorded episode 28 of the Pegasus podcast on Wednesday night, the very end, um, you'll even hear it when you listen to it. We got some breaking news um, from ESPN, the Big 12, the AAC, and uh, yeah, so we're going to have to discuss that right now real quick. It's major news. We could not let the whole week go by uh, without recording. Uh, well, our thoughts on it. So we'll get right to it. Christian, why don't you explain what the heck is going on right now?
1: Yeah, it's you're going to love the chaotic end to our regularly scheduled podcast when literally with five minutes left, I check Twitter and see this. So that was fun. Um, yeah. So before, on earlier today, there had been earlier yesterday if you're listening to this now. Uh, I'd seen some stuff and we all had that the Big 12 had sent a cease and desist letter to ESPN. Didn't really know what that meant. I didn't think it was notable for our podcast. It was just Big 12 being Big 12. I'm like, okay. Then as we're recording, it comes out that the cease and desist letter pertains to the fact that, and like, you can't make this up, that ESPN and the AAC were conspiring to destroy the, destroy the Big 12. That's an actual thing that was happening because ESPN told the AAC, they incentivized the AAC, probably with contract money or other things, that, hey, if you take three to five Big 12 teams we will help you out. We'll give you whatever you want. And ESPN wanted that because that would destroy the big 12, meaning that Texas and Oklahoma don't have to pay their exit fees to go to the sec. I mean, like you couldn't make this up for a movie. You really couldn't. I mean, consider, consider what's going
0: on right now and try to like explain how it's happening and try to like go back two weeks ago, time travel two weeks ago and explain it to someone. And they're going to think you like, they, yeah, they'd be like, Not only do they think that you made it up, they would think like you needed some like serious like hallucinatory drugs (laughs) to come up with it. Because like who who could have seen this coming whatsoever? Even like eight days ago. Yeah, it it really makes no sense.
1: What's crazy to me about this whole AAC thing is like this because we've the talk that we have talked on the podcast. You've seen on Twitter. We've been talking for a week now about who's the big 12 going to take to replace texas and oklahoma is it going to be ucf cincinnati that's what we all wanted and yeah there was some noise in the athletic earlier this week that oresco and the aac wanted to be aggressors and that was kind of treated as white noise it's like sure you do whatever and bowlsby the big 12 commissioner blew this all up by basically coming out and straight up saying espn is trying to undermine us they're trying to conspire against us with the aac if that if they'd gotten away with this like in a couple of weeks, we would have just, it would have just broken. It would have been like, oh yeah, the AAC is adding a bunch of big 12 schools. I, and honestly, like depending on how things shake out, that's probably still like on the table as something that could happen is that multiple big 12 schools are going to end up in the AAC.
0: Yeah. And I don't, I really don't know where we actually go from here. Like, but I mean, Bowlesby said like, he has like hard evidence. Like he, he knows this is happening. He knows what's going on ESPN released a statement and said, what basically that just like, no, that's not true. And the AAC like, had no comment. Yeah. And the AAC has not come out with anything as of like nine o'clock Wednesday night. And I don't no, the I believe they came not going out and to, right? said no comment. Okay, <laughs> yes, yeah. they came out and said no comment. Okay. Then, which yeah, is like we did it. That's it's it's in again, yeah, that's like where do we go from here? Cause like this is
1: stuff that's gonna like I don't think this is something that like gets solved very quickly. Well, here's what's interesting to me is because, well, the bit like at the end of the day, if ESPN wants this to happen, it'll happen. Like the Big 12 can be like, we're suing you, whatever. ESPN has all the money in the world. Yeah. And the other thing is, like, I don't know where what the Big 12 then does for TV. If because they're bur- they've burnt the bridge of the ESPN, or you could argue ESPN's burnt the bridge of them, whatever. But the new thing, and again, it's like this stuff changes just constantly now. So who even knows what will be by the time you're listening to this tomorrow morning. But the Big 12 now is like, you know, the Big 12 contract, the TV contract has a grain of rights. So technically Oklahoma and Texas can't leave until 2025. And the assumption has always been, they announced they're leaving as they did. They get invited to the SEC, which is going to happen tomorrow on Thursday. And then they'll begin the haggling between the lawyers, pick a time for them to leave. Now the big 12, their stance right now, the remaining 18s are like, screw you. We're, we're not negotiating anything. You're going to sit in our conference for four more years and we're going to collect checks and you're going to have to deal with that. <laughs> That, that's their current stance as of us recording this. Yeah, and we'll see how that works out for them. It won't. It, they'll figure something out. I mean, the problem is that works for the Big 12 if they agree to stay together. But the, the difference between this news and before this news is before this news, it looked like the Big 12 was going to survive as a conference. If ESPN is out to get you, you're not going to survive. I mean, you're just not. And regardless of what's legal or illegal, they're done. And the member and the other the eight remaining members are going to look out for themselves. They're going to look at: Am I going have to stay to. for four years? So they're going to say: Am I going to cash checks for four more years than not have a conference, or am I going to go to the AAC now? They're going to go to the AC now. I that that's what's going to happen. They're going to break ranks. How, how did we get here? I have no idea. UCF's Bob, conference is actually dismantling a power five conference as we Bob speak.
0: Bob Bolzby. I mean, first of all, I mean this guy. <laughs> what can you say? What can you say about him? because he I think he and like and maybe it wasn't just solely a him thing, but back when the big twelve had a chance to be proactive and, and expand them, themselves, he said, no, nah, we're good. And yep. here we are, what is it? How many years later? Not even like four, five, years four later, or five years later, four or five years later. And he's about to have his conference destroyed.
1: By like the AAC, that, by that a is, current group of five conference.
0: How did we get
1: here? And how did we get here? a month until kickoff of the 2021 season. It's funny of all the news, like like Oklahoma and uh, Texas to the SEC is obviously huge news. All this stuff of like what you what conferences UCF going to be in is huge news. This is the news that broke me. Like I, like, I, what's <laughs> happening? Like this is just like pure insanity to me. And it, like, I don't feel like that bad for Bob Bowlesby for a couple reasons. Like he was very dismissive of UCF. Like he was the only conference commissioner who went on the record when UCF was undefeated and was like, they don't belong in the yeah. playoff. And it's like, all right, but which is hilarious. Cause he said that UCF doesn't belong in the playoff because they don't play a power conference schedule, which is so hilarious in hindsight when it turns out that when you remove Oklahoma from the big 12s, quote unquote, power conference schedule, <laughs> it's just a bunch of teams. No one wants. And yeah. it's worse than a group of five. League. So that's hilarious. And second, I'm sorry, but the dude was asleep at the wheel. How did you not, how are you a conference commissioner of a power five conference? And at first you don't realize that your two premier programs are going to leave for a rival conference. And then you also don't realize that ESPN is conspiring to destroy your league. You just don't know that.
0: And then it it does come out and happen. And I I mean, I guess the response, he did what he had to do in in response, but like it's too late, man.
1: Yeah. And now I'm just like, what's spinning my head now is I just, I don't know. I'm willing to bet that it's the big 12 will collapse. They're not going to hold out until 2025. Cause the thing is, yeah, they can like make Texas and Oklahoma hope uh, hurt, hold out for the money, but they're just going to be sitting there watching the time tick away Is you know, once 2025 hits, not only do we not have a TV deal and we're not going to be capable of getting one, not only of the value that we want, but we can't even get a deal with ESPN period because we burned a bridge. Like the, the big 12 physically cannot exist past 2025. So they're going to collapse. I'm looking at membership right now of teams that, so it's three to five teams is what ESPN wants the AAC to add. So even if they only had three, you probably grab like what, like West Virginia, maybe like Iowa State, TCU. Like that's the other thing is the, like, I guess, I guess my realization that's the part I don't like is the realization like, oh, ESPN actually does just control college football. Because clearly they were the aggressors in getting Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC too. So I'm trying to think of what comes next for the AAC and UCF. I mean, do they just become... Is that what the incentivization was? Are they going to become the fifth power conference? Is ESPN going to say, okay, you'll get treated like them? You'll get a contract like them or closer to them?
0: I guess so. I mean, I, I guess that's what it has to be. But, yeah, I don't know. And I th- what happens? Like, what happens to all these teams?
1: I, have, I don't and, know. Uh, and what happens to the teams that don't join the AC? There's eight Big 12 teams left. Are and they going to get up by the five. Pac-12? Or
0: are they going to have to fall... I don't understand. They're
1: not going to go there. What's the, so if, say if the leftovers are like, I don't know, like Texas Tech and uh, Baylor or something like that, Yeah. Let, Kansas or State. Kansas State, like what's what's the Pac-12's reason to add them? They're not adding value to the conference. You're just splitting your pie 14 ways instead of 12 ways and everyone yeah. ends up with less money. There's no reason. They're going to end up in the Mountain West. Like Baylor's going to be a Mountain West team or Kansas State. Baylor may have the AAC. I don't know. We don't like, I'd love to know who the teams are that the AAC was going to add. So, I, and I, we probably will
0: find out when they get added. The AAC is at 11 right now. I I, I honestly take five. Why not? The SEC is going to 16. Yeah. Why not do the same thing? Take five. Take TCU. Take, I don't know, West Virginia, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. Yeah, there you go. I mean, sorry to Texas Tech and Kansas and Kansas
1: State, I guess, but. No one wants you anyway yeah, I mean... for anything. <laughs> um. Uh, like, I like that. That's, I guess, just like, and then looking at that conference on paper, that is a power conference. I, and I don't know. Like, I'm just the whole ES, like, what changes the ball game is we, we were b- before this night and this news, we were operating under the assumption that this was all like, as, like, I say the word fair, but as fair as college football ever is. Like, we would say things like, okay, so the AAC adds Big 12 teams. What's the value of that contract? Or the Big 12 adds UCF and Cincinnati. What's the value? That's all thrown out the window by the idea that ESPN is pulling the strings and telling the AAC to do this. Because that means that the contract will just be whatever ESPN says. And maybe ESPN is losing to the AAC. Like, I mean, ESPN right now, they pay 35 million a year for the Big 12. Mm-hmm. They don't want to pay that, but they pay 7 million for the AAC. So they could have gone to the AAC and said, we'll give you 20. We'll give you 20 million to do this. And for the AAC, they're like, hell yeah. I, I mean, I really, it's like, I don't, it, like market value doesn't matter anymore if ESPN is just playing chess with all of college football.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing, I think, when you said like it's the the realization that ESPN controls college football, like it's been that way. It's just I guess that the like the cl- the clarity that we've gotten now is that like no like this is legit like in your face. This
1: is ESPN's thing, I mean, and I don't been- like that. Yeah, I mean, well, what can you do? I mean, I guess yeah, that's- And I know, and I know UCF fans are reveling on Twitter, and I get it. I like Bolsby was critical of UCF. These are the like basically a whole group of the quote unquote big boys who were always like like. I get it when Alabama fans are like UCF doesn't belong. I never understood it from the Baylor and Kansas fans of the world, (laughs) but it was, but you know, and now they're realizing like, oh, it turns out we're literally, we are absolutely worthless as a brand. If we're not standing on Texas and Oklahoma shoulders, that's a rough realization for them. And I get why UCF fans are reveling in it, but at the same time, like I just, this is just a straight up monopoly now. ESPN can just do whatever they want and what's to stop them in the next wave of realignment 10 years from now from saying, you know what, hey, we're going to throw Ohio State and Clemson into the SEC as well, and maybe that's the only thing we air. Maybe that's the only thing we care about. Maybe we just have a Super League, like what almost happened in soccer. I mean, they, they can do whatever they want now.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, – that's the that's the crazy part. I think we might actually get there eventually. It feels Unless, like it's coming. Yeah, and, and, like, maybe it's a long time down the road, and I guess that's, like, the future's problem. That's future me problem. i have, I'll have to deal with it when that happens. But, yeah, I mean <laughs> – everything's changing and we've got a season that
1: we're trying to get to within like the next month. That's the other thing is this 2021 is like, it's, I feel like it's the equivalent. I mean, I'm excited for the season. Obviously you're going to hear that on our actual podcast after this. Um, but like, it almost feels like a lame duck season and that it absolutely is for the big, the entire big 12 conference, but you've got <laughs> a ton of teams now that don't know what league they're going to be in, in a couple of years. And it's probably not for a while now with all this, but like there is a 12 team playoff coming presumably it's going to be in a different format now like you can't really finalize a 12 team playoff when you don't even know how many conferences are going to exist when it starts but i like this whole season is just kind of like it's going to be 50 percent the actual college football season and 50 percent trying to figure out what the hell this sport is going to look like going forward
0: but i think it's still I mean, just because of that it's
1: still going to be extremely fun and extremely wild it's going to be extra fun because this is peak college football can you imagine like the vitriol that is going to come the way of Oklahoma and Texas. Every time they take a big 12 opposing field this year, it's going to be fun.
0: Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be
1: insane. Like there's going to be so many targeting calls. It's just, it's going to be like, (laughs) I like, it's going to be crazy. And I hope, yeah, like I said, well, it will, it's happening. Like long-term, I do think this sucks the players fault. No, but the, but they don't care. Like in Oklahoma, like, I mean, I mean, they're just going to, I mean, players always ride the wave of their fan bases. I mean, how do you, how do you think all these players feel that, you know, could have gone, like, I'm sure many players in the Big 12 had AAC offers and they made the right decision for themselves because they wanted to be in a power conference. And now they're getting, like, the players are getting left out too. This isn't just an administration yeah. thing. And man, I don't know what happens in recruiting now for these Big 12 schools. There's so many things to dissect here. We're not going to go super long here because like I said, we also have a whole podcast after this, um, which you guys should really listen to. It was a really good podcast before this.
0: Yeah, I do I do want to put that, that disclaimer out there. You're going to see how long, like, uh in the episode description how long this episode is i i would love for you guys obviously i'm saying this because it's our podcast but would love for you guys to stick with it because we just we went through our power rankings for the aac this year and basically broke down every team in the conference and really it was already going to be a pretty long uh a, a little bit longer of an episode than normal but now we've added all this craziness with uh the big 12 and the espn and the aac to, to it so it's probably going to come in at much much longer than you're Used to, but stick with us. Uh, I promise. But don't it's worry. Stuff.
1: I get my usual Desmond Ritter and Cincinnati jabs in. It's a really great show for you. Um, I, I'm sorry that in our AAC power rankings, we forgot to include Oklahoma State and TCU. <laughs> um, that was our bad at the time. We didn't realize they were AAC members, but yeah.
0: Yeah, This time. is this whole thing is just insane. It's going to continue to be insane. And I'm sure by the time we get back next week, It'll be even more like just more stuff's come out. We're probably gonna have to spend the whole next podcast talking about this too. So stay tuned for that. But first, we're gonna jump right in. We're gonna time travel going back to the AAC preview for 2021. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 28 of the Pegasus Podcast presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams, and I'm joined as always by Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter at Bailey J Adams22 at by CA Simmons. And throw us a follow at Night Sports Now while you're there. Kickoff is five weeks away, and no no jersey, no headband for me this week. But I'm wearing a UCF shirt and a UCF hat, wearing my uh, state of Florida UCF state of Florida hat, and um, my Guy Harvey UCF shirt. Shout out to Grandma, little literal angel walking this earth. Love you. Um, for real, she got me this shirt. And when you yeah. said
1: literal angel. I was like, is she still alive? Oh no, yeah, she's okay.
0: Yeah. A little angel walking this earth. Um, Shout out, Grandma. But yeah, five weeks away. Just because I'm not wearing the jersey does not mean I'm not ready. I know. I was actually disappointed. Like, you have the hat,
1: so that's good. I'm wearing a UCF shirt, too. I don't ever dress for the podcast because it's a podcast but i like the Yeah, I mean
0: I I don't know why I feel like it's a video podcast or anything but I'm it's always nice. like I always like to look the part except you, you, for when I don't. You always do.
1: Yeah, you look it usually. I, I don't th- I think you very rarely show up not wearing UCF gear. Which is, is good. Sad. This is true.
0: It's just because yeah,
1: it's a lot of my wardrobe
0: honestly. But the voice you're hearing is Christian Simmons and Christian has drawn the ire of Cincinnati fans even more than usual this week. So how are you, and how are your Twitter mentions?
1: You know what's funny is you said that right now, and I draw their ire so much. I had, I like, I'm had like i like, what did I do this week? Like, I didn't remember <laughs> which week. Right. It was because, so I don't know. If you're I don't even remember anymore. If you're, I do. If you're listening to this podcast, you might have noticed that college football is falling apart. Um, Texas nice. and Oklahoma are going to the SEC, and every team in the country is like, we don't know what conference we're going to be in a few years. I love it. I, love, I live for this stuff. It's great. Um, but Cincinnati, like, the actual Cincinnati Twitter account was like, Man, it's like they're applying for a job. They're like, this would be a really good time to tweet our resume since conferences are adding teams. And, and of all the stats they could have gone for, and Cincinnati has some good stats. They played in three New Year's Six Bowl games in the last, I think, like 15 years. Pretty good. They went for, we've been to 15 bowls this century. <laughs> I mean, like, that's, like, what is that? Like, how many teams are like, guess what? We've been six and six or better. 15 times in the last 21 years like congrats. the
0: only the only thing that like saved a little bit was the NCAA tournament part for basketball but again basketball doesn't really apply look I, in this I'm situation.
1: sure if if UCF like Cincinnati's basketball program is obviously awesome yeah. and much better than UCF's and if if UCF had a program like that we'd probably be touting it too but like like basketball doesn't matter in realignment in the 2009-2012 stretch Kansas like almost ended up in the Mountain West when the Big 12 almost fell apart then like basketball just doesn't matter so that's cool. That's a great accomplishment. Means nothing for this. I just happen to point that out. And they're also their big thing was sustained success. So I happen to point out how UCF has had much more sustained success than Cincinnati. I actually am curious about this because a lot of Cincinnati fans came back at me with like, UCF went 0 and 12, which is accurate, completely that's accurate. True. They've won near six bowls before and since. But yes, they went 0 12 once. So so what's worse, going 0 and 12 one year or going 4 and 8 and back to back years? I mean,
0: I I would say four and eight back to back
1: year. I mean, zero and twelve was one bad year sustained, and then UCF was back. Cincinnati really?
0: just sucked for two that's years sustained mediocrity. They
1: went in a three year stretch. They went seven and six, four and eight, and four and eight. But yeah. congrats. You a
0: three year stretch. I'd much rather have an zero and twelve season than you go up to six and seven and then you're thirteen and zero.
1: Yeah, UCF won one two back to back conference championships in a Fiesta Bowl, went winless, and then two years later they were undefeated in winning the Peach Bowl. Like so, I just yeah. I don't know. I think one stumble. But either way, we're, I'm already way off topic. Yeah, Cincinnati fans just – and I'm really, like – I don't even mean it to be, like, over – like, I'm not trying to overly pick on Cincinnati. They just do a lot of dumb things that I feel like I just – like, I'm actually annoyed with them because, like, I think my ideal scenario would be if the Big 12 adds UCF and Cincinnati and that's it. I really do. I'd like that. I think that'd be great. I think it'd be a fun conference. I think UCF and Cincinnati would very, very immediately be some of the best teams in that conference. Maybe the best teams in that conference. So why can't Cincinnati, like, actually pitch themselves on things other than we go to bowl games? It's like, congrats. So do 70 teams every year. And not that, like, bowl games... For
0: First of all, the fact they've been to bowl games doesn't really matter. And then when you look at their at record in those bowl games, it's not a good record. I believe either. it
1: was 6-9. and nine? I think something
0: yeah. like that. So it's like, it's just a weird thing. And like you said, they have a lot of selling
1: points. Like, not trying to sell them short at all. Like, they have a lot of selling points. It was just a weird, like... No, in my opinion, and the opinion of the world... UCF and Cincinnati are the two runaway candidates to go to the Big 12. Yeah. There's no one else. like. There are other teams in the mix, like Houston or SMU. But I think there's also Boisley. drawbacks
0: for all those other teams in the mix. There's exactly. not really any drawbacks for UCF or Cincinnati. There just aren't. They're
1: yeah. good recruiting footprints, great brands in football. Both have been more successful than the remaining Big 12 teams in recent years. And almost long. I mean, UCF's had a better decade at this point than almost any of yeah. the teams in the Big 12. I'd argue basically any, except maybe like TCU. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just I don't get why Cincinnati went with that stat, but I'm glad <laughs> Cincinnati fans are once again angry at me.
0: Well, from one fan base that's angry at you to another. Oh yeah, UCF fans are mad at me too. Yeah, so oh, I mean we yeah. so we're here to preview the American Athletic Conference football season 2021. I'm glad five minutes in we've said what yeah to we're podcast. gonna get we're gonna get there. I mean you've seen it in the title hopefully by now. Um, but we're going to get there, but before we do that, we have to talk a little bit, and like, do, do I just give you the
1: Florida rant, or like, should I introduce what you want to talk about? Like, I, I can handle it. Okay, you got it. Um, so this week, as you probably know if you're listening to this podcast, I would assume, UCF announced the long-rumored, as in like for the last two weeks, two-for-one series with Florida, with, I believe the first game is 2024 at Gainesville, then 2030 in the Bounce House, then 2033 at Gainesville again, which UCF's pitching it as it was... We both had an opening in 2024. So we're playing a game there, and then they also negotiate a home and home. I think they are actually separate contracts. That makes sense because yeah. the way the way
0: they, yeah, I mean, the way UCF framed it, maybe they would frame it like this: is the fact that they had an opening in 2024, right? 2024, yeah, 2024, yes. and it was either play 11 games, play two FCS teams that year, or play Florida. Yes. and if, I mean, that there's an obvious choice there. And then I know they Tip said the of, as a bonus, you in the same year. Said, they said there as a bonus, basically, that they were able to also get these other two games scheduled to make it a the three-game season. Yeah, it
1: was pretty much like, UCF was like, we're helping you out now, because you need this game and we need this game, so in exchange, how about we get something going down the road? And that's what they came up with.
0: And I do want to say, the announcement was just spectacular. Yeah, it was Eric, so, Eric DiSalvo, so if you're listening to this, you're a genius, and <laughs> you deserve all the
1: praise. Um, the memes because, were great. Yeah, they're just, it's amazing. Um so, UCF fans, obviously, since this is such a great series, loved it. Just kidding. <laughs> Most UCF fans went crazy. Like, they were like, oh, the games are so... Far. Like, I, I already did this rant a couple podcasts ago, so I'm not going to rehash the why. The whole, the games are so far, right? It's like, Danny White brainwashed all of us, and me included, for a time, into thinking that, that like, oh, we're, we're just going to hold out for all these games. It's like, no, no, no. All of college football is in the middle of filling out their, like, mid-2030 slates, and we're stuck with, like, no games in half the years left this decade, like, we're so hopelessly behind. So you've got to get games however you can. The fact that they got a great series like this against a great team, and like Florida has no motivation to lose. But anyway, that's great. So I don't I don't know what to say to you if you're mad about how far the games are. That's just the way college <laughs> football is. Like I don't I don't know what to say to you. The other big one that a lot of people were mad about is they're just still on the Danny White trip, where it's like we should never agree to two for one. And, and the big takeaway from a lot of fans was we're screwed now. We've shown we accept two-for-ones with Power 5 teams. We're never going to get a home-and-home home again. I, also, I even saw people, like, we're no different than USF now. Well, Bailey, guess what happened today? Guess what happened the very freaking next day? What happened? UCF scheduled a home-and-home home with a Power 5 team. UCF scheduled a home-and-home home with Maryland for 2025 and 2028 today. It's almost like Florida's just a really good program— and it's fine to schedule two-for-ones with really, really good top 15 programs. And it doesn't mean that Maryland or whoever is then going to say, well, we're the same as Florida, so we'd also like a two-for-one. Let me take you back a few minutes.
0: I think a minute or two before we started this podcast, you told me, I don't think I'm going to actually need to rant. I'm going to probably make like 30 seconds.
1: Your voice got <laughs> your voice
0: got a little like a little high there up here in terms of volume. But yeah, no, it's just it's funny because immediately they, they turned right around and there were some hints at it. Um, I think Gus hinted at it on the radio this morning right? I don't know if that's what he was oh, is hinting that not, is there at... another thing
1: coming I could be totally wrong okay. I don't know it seemed like he was hinting at like he sounded like he was talking about a single game so I don't know oh, if okay nice, well whatever, I could he, be wrong. whatever I don't he was know. hinting at and then this comes out that
0: there's now a a game both Maryland in 2025 in College Park and then 2028 is a return trip to Orlando but yeah I mean and I saw people reacting to this too that were like oh like it's not that exciting but like at least, it gets, at least it's a game but like
1: I mean what we're not in a position like not every series which, that we schedule is gonna be Florida. Well no. that's the we're thing, and gonna... I'm not asking like I'm not saying, hey, UCF fans, like, let's go, you know, throw a party tonight because we schedule Maryland. Like I'm not saying yeah. that, but it's also just like I don't know, I just we've had three series scheduled since Mahogra took over now. It was the FAU series, which UCF fans trashed. It was the Florida <laughs> series, which UCF fans trashed, not the Maryland series, which UCF fans aren't trashing but are at best apathetic towards. And I'm just kinda yeah. like those are the three types of series that are available to schedule. So yeah. I'm just kinda curious what, what I mean, like I said, the reaction wasn't that bad today, but to me it was just more Last night, so many UCF fans were on this, we're never getting a home-on-home home again, and we'll look at that, a home-on-home home the very next day. It's like, see college... And that was part of what screwed Danny White so much, is college football teams, for whatever they say publicly, they understand where they exist in the pecking order. Maryland doesn't think they're owed something more for UCF because UCF gave Florida two-for-one. I mean, it, yeah. it, teams understand that. Yeah.
0: I mean, at this point, it's, it's clear that Terry Mahajer and UCF understand where they're at. Yeah. And I don't think... For the longest time, Danny White wasn't willing to accept that, and I think... Even for a short time, I mean, for a time, I was like, yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. But then it comes again when it comes down to it, you have to get game scheduled, and if you're, you're like, you can't just continue to be like that. You can't, you can't hold on that tightly to something if you're just not going to have any game schedule. Well, the problem with Danny White,
1: like, you've got to concede at some point. The problem with Danny White is he kind of basically, I don't know if "lied" is the right word, but we all really believed in what Danny White was pitching because. We didn't think these like we we didn't think it mattered because oh teams won't schedule UCF in a two for one or a home like they just don't want to play UCF like I don't think like Danny White kind of sold us this BS that oh well it doesn't matter because Florida would never play us so it doesn't matter and it's like the second UCF has a new AD second team that's scheduled is Florida so it turns out Florida will and Maryland is another example I think that Danny White just was so high and mighty by the end there that teams just didn't want to get on the phone with him did. The, the previous Maryland series, was that scheduled? That was
0: scheduled that before. That was pre Yeah, okay, yeah. I thought so. Just curious about that. But yeah, I mean, I, I think... Also a home at home Yeah. The fact that UCF is starting to fill schedules in the 2020s is, is nice because, they're, yeah, like you said, there are teams filling out their schedules in the mid-2030s right now. I think I've seen some like 2035, 2037,
1: so... That Maryland game, that is the first 2028 game UCF is scheduled.
0: Yeah. That's, that's not good. I would think a lot of teams are you know, three or four games scheduled deep already in that, in terms yeah. of non-conference. But, yeah, all that stuff is exciting in the future and in the, in the more distant future. Not, not the distant future. In the more near future is what <laughs> I meant to say. We've got college football coming back. We're five weeks away from kickoff. A little bit longer before conference play gets underway. But what we're doing today on this podcast, we're just going to go power rankings of the AAC for 2021. We're going from 11 to 1. And We're going to do a little short preview for each team, and Christian and I agreed on the um, on the order of these power rankings beforehand, and we took a little took a yeah. little grappling in a few. I mean, spots. A little bit, but I think I had to make I think two concessions, and you had to make one. But Not the one, I, you no, I made make,
1: two, didn't I? Did you? Yeah, I yeah.
0: made a. Uh, well, we'll get there. Yeah, <laughs> um, but we both agreed we'll start we'll start at number eleven, the the last last ranking in the conference. We both agreed on this one. We said Temple. I think we
1: messed up. You think so? I don't think Temple's going to be the worst team in the conference.
0: As I started to office. do some research, I was a little bit like, mm, Yeah, yeah. I be, feel like we're
1: being too influenced by last year. Temple possible. went temp, for for those of you listening, Temple, Temple went one and six last year yeah. and was the worst team in the conference. Yeah. By a very by a very big margin, I would say.
0: So yeah, that's cause I don't know. I think a lot of stuff you, you look at on, in terms of previews is a lot of it's gonna be based on quarterback. And so they lost their quarterback, Anthony Russo, he went to Michigan State, but they added Georgia transfer, uh DeWan Mathis, and That seemed like a pretty big get, and it seems like there's some pretty high hopes for for the offense. And I don't know. I think
1: part of me was like, yeah, maybe we ranked them too low. And then looking at it, I was like, I don't know if we did. Well, they've just like – and it wasn't just one thing for them last year. I mean, their whole team was just a mess. And they gave up 208.6 rushing yards per game last year. It's okay. It's not crazy. <laughs> um, did you know that they also six different quarterbacks through multiple passes for them last year? That's absurd. That's crazy. Yeah. Most teams don't have six quarterbacks on their roster. Like, that's insane. Last year was a weird, it was just a weird year for everyone, of course. But yeah. if you looked at, like, game by game,
0: like, they lost by two to Navy, then they beat USF by two. And then they lost five straight
1: games by an average of
0: 24 points.
1: Yeah, the, the, I remember by the time they played UCF, that game was completely uncompetitive. Yeah. UCF didn't even play a particularly good game, because no. UCF was having their own problems They didn't about that play many good games at all last Yeah. Well, that's not true. Eh, yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just... And the thing is, what was interesting about that to me is it was kind of a surprise, because I know that they're not like a sexy brand, but like Temple's probably been one of the most consistent teams in the conference. I mean, they've won a conference championship. in the, I mean, I think that was four years ago. They've played for a conference title twice. They've had five straight winning seasons. I mean, like, they're not like blowing it up, you know, near six bowl type level like where UCF, Cincinnati, and Memphis have been at. But I mean, they're they're typically good for eight or nine wins every single year, and then they just collapsed last year.
0: Yeah, it's it's also part of it comes down because like I think they they will be improved from last year. Right. But I think part of it too when you look at their schedule, they've got some tough they've got a tough stretch of Memphis, then at Cincinnati. Then they get a buy and at USF mixed in there, but then and then comes the UCF game. And their they,
1: non-conference isn't fun either. Then they follow UCF
0: with at ECU, which could be sneaky good, and then they go to they have a home against Houston. So it's yeah. like a stretch there where they could realistically lose. I could see like I
1: feel that. like they're up like as we've done this. I'm like you know I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the conference. I think they're going to bounce back at least somewhat, but I still think their ceiling is like five or six wins on the whole, obviously. The whole schedule. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm not. I'm, what's, the, what's their non conference schedule? For the record, for? I don't. I'll like the rest of the podcast, I don't like dealing in just conference schedules. I'm always going okay. to. Yeah, get I mean, that's total, good. That's good. Total. Just for like when I was doing my research,
0: I went through every team, and was like writing yeah. down their non conference schedules. And I was like, I don't know if this really matters for like the AAC yeah, standards, but they like are. overall. This isn't
1: this is an AAC preview, but I'm going to talk about the other teams they're playing. Because also, yeah. we care about that. We want the AAC to look good. When an AAC team's playing a power five team, I want to know about that. I want to yeah. win the game.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I think the quarterback seems to be. An exciting part of what they're going to do in 2021. And I mean, he's still young. He's still inexperienced, so it might be some growing pains. They could. I mean, they could be one of the worst teams in the conference still. Oh, they will be. But I just don't think they'll be the worst. Okay. Do you, do you? Who do you think is the number ten team we have on here? The worst to you, or is it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah the okay. more I've thought about it. We'll yeah. get to number 10 because originally I thought I was like, okay, it's going to be this team but then I, I was kind of like, yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: maybe it's 10. I, I was going back and forth between them but now I just feel like I'm being too influenced by last year's Temple while team number 10 I just feel like on paper has way more issues for team, this season.
0: Team number 10 is, we have USF. That's right. Who went 1-8 last I year. I wrote South Florida but we So did I. It. I also wrote South Florida. <laughs> I don't know why it said USF. But, one and eight last year, zero and seven in the conference. Their one win, I think, it was against the Citadel. That is correct, I believe. and it wasn't particularly like a nope, convincing win. It was not. Um, and this year, like before we even get to the team itself, like their schedule is brutal. It's so bad. They open it's Earth, like so good, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's bad for them. Yeah. They open at NC State, then they come home and play Florida, and then I think two weeks later after they play FAMU, they have at BYU, and obviously BYU lost Zach Wilson, but I still wouldn't expect USF yeah. to go on the road to be but play.
1: after byu they get a break when they travel to smu so <laughs> their schedule sucks like they're yeah yeah
0: well this that's the thing is so it they go at smu and then they get tulsa temple at home and then at ecu but then their closing stretch stretch of the season is houston and cincinnati both at home and then tulane and ucf on the road i think Which that is, they
1: could be a significantly better team than last year and still be three and nine yeah like I, I just there it, it's a, you know they only averaged twenty three points per game last year? It doesn't really surprise me. It's not good well, given that they put up like forty nine on UCF or whatever no, it was. Yeah. But But they so they have yeah.
0: two new quarterbacks this year. Yes. So which one do you think is gonna get the job? I mean, considering was it Phil was it Phil Steele? I, I always forget which one did it, but it was Cade Fortin was the one yeah, that the, he put Cade Cade as his fourth team fourth team quarterback uh, in the AAC preseason. I finally
1: learned about Cade Fortin after we've said for three podcasts we yeah, can't remember his, can't remember his name. name.
0: So UNC transfer and they also got Miami transfer Jaron Williams. So, I don't I mean, I don't have any insight to that quarterback battle, but I think... I
1: was reading some stuff from this past couple weeks that yeah. it looks like it'll be K-4. Okay. I mean, I would,
0: I would expect Phil Steele to be in the know in terms of, like, if he's going to put a guy on his fourth team, his fourth team quarterback in the AAC, I would assume he might yeah. think, like, he's probably going to start. But, but I
1: just, when I go back to, like, for their whole schedule, like, I see, by the most liberal count, I see, like, five winnable games. Yeah and they're not going to win all their winnable games. I just like yeah. UCF is going to be bad. So. I
0: mean the good the good for them is that they have five returning starters on offensive line. I mean that that's, that's very good. Yeah, that's good. Um defensively they have brought in a lot of transfers and they have some really good linebackers, but they allowed 40 like 40 points per game last year. That's not great. That which makes is, UCF's defense like yeah, elite, which is insane. And they, so they've lost and they entered 2021 having lost 22 of their last 28 games. Yeah, I saw that. Since, dating that's back rough. to when they were 7 and 0 in 2018. Yeah. 18? Yeah. Yeah. They, so, went, uh,
1: they went 7. Yeah, they started seven 2018 7-0, and, and, and then they finished 7-6. <laughs> They've six. lost 22
0: of 28 since. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not expecting a ton from um, from USF this year. And I like you said, I think I could also see um, them finishing last. I think Temple could be better.
1: I, I have to interrupt the podcast. Okay. I, there, I don't know if you heard that noise, but we're in a bedroom in my house, and I look, and there's a note being slid under the door. And I, I get up to go get what the note is, and my dad's printed out the cease and desist letter that the Big 12 sent ESPN before this podcast started. Oh, no. So here's the—I have the All cease right. and desist letter. I'm not going to interrupt the podcast to read it, but wow, it looks really angry. In case you didn't know, if you're listening to this right before we start recording, uh, the Big 12 decided to attack ESPN instead of the SEC over Luther, Texas. <laughs> so now I have this nice letter.
0: And when you say your dad's letter, that's recurring guest Roger Simmons. That is correct. Recurring, as in, like, he needs to be on the podcast. Just he wrote in big
1: letters, did you know about this cease and
0: desist letter that the Big 12 sent <laughs> to ESPN? Well, that's With just... That's such a weird situation they're like oh yeah let's attack espn like you can't talk about us." it is
1: probably espn's fault but also like what are you like are you just playing to make sure that you don't get a new tv deal (laughs) i don't know what what they're going for there i don't
0: know what how that was like their first course of action
1: but anyway usf yeah i just i they're gonna be and jeff scott got screwed in my opinion and a lot of coaches did is like it's not just that usf is bad because they are but like being a first-year head coach with a bad team and starting that year with COVID was just yeah. like you didn't even have a chance. Like this is basically year one for Jeff Scott.
0: Yeah, and I think like I think he's a good coach, and I think I think so too. I've, I've said when he got hired, I was like, that's just kind of a scary hire because I think he could turn them around. But yeah, I mean, he just got a raw deal last year, and then I was, it was just funny because I was looking at some stuff before and I don't remember who exactly did it, but they were doing the. AAC coaching rankings going into this year and they ranked them as the la like the worst coach in the conference. And I just don't
1: Coach rankings suck to me because like every website that does those, and I mean literally every website that does those, it has nothing to do with who the coach is. It's just well we looked at the team's record. Yeah and that's the thing I was like,
0: that seems a little harsh. Like I don't even think you can I don't know. I can think of a lot of AAC coaches that I would yeah, say. You is can't better take, right you now. just can't you can't take last year and then be like, Oh, this is the kind of
1: coach he is. I just what else was supposed to happen last year? I mean, honestly, I I, I, that was always going to be their season. I, I mean, even know. before COVID, so I don't yeah.
0: know. But, yeah, so, again, I think I think they could slide down and finish last in the conference, but...
1: I think they will. I, 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 I The more I thought on it, we'll keep about there. But the thing there.
0: is, that with, with USF, is they're going to have talent. Yeah. So, they could, I mean, they could surprise some people, but the schedule's just so... But that's the thing, big.
1: is you look at the schedule, who are they going to surprise? Like I mean, I mean, they mean they,
0: more like, like the, the, like, toss-up... Ish
1: conference games where like I maybe think they beat... flat out cannot compete with UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, or SMU. They can no, yeah, I don't think so either. Teams. But I think I I think they could surprise Tulsa. They should possibly beat Temple, and then maybe they could surprise okay, but, by late in the year. But go, going ahead here, we have Tulsa ninth, yeah, and USF tenth. So does not even count as a surprise if we're predicting the tenth best team beats the ninth best team? I mean, based off team?
0: of last year and based off of where, yeah, I mean,
1: yeah. Well, let's go ahead and move into Tulsa. Yeah,
0: then. let's go to Tulsa, who we have at nine and. A lot of other, like, any outlets that have done, like, AAC, like, preseason rankings so far have them, like,
1: sixth or seventh. Well, they're... But I think they're, it's just based off of last year. They're kind of, like, frauds. Like, let's be real. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, like, I know because Tulsa was the AAC runner-up last year, which that's never since I ever thought I'd say. And they even beat UCF, but they're, like... And they lost to Mississippi State in the Armed Forces Bowl and they, yeah n- not a team you want to lose to mississippi state a losing record <laughs> and tulsa i mean their great comeback we're back on top year they finished unranked and they went six and three six and three is not a good record four of the six wins were single digits including single digit games against bad teams i mean they struggled against like east carolina and teams like that i mean and and this is interesting when there's there's 10 other aac teams eight of them play more conference games than tulsa I mean, Tulsa just played a really, really shortened schedule. They had a regular season game against Cincinnati that the AAC canceled because they want to mess up Cincinnati's New Year's Six chances. I mean, they, <laughs> and let's be real, I'm not trying to be that guy, but they don't beat UCF in a normal season. UCF had no energy because that was their first bounce house experience with no fans, you know, in the history of the bounce house, so it was rough for them. Yeah. I, I just, I, I mean, that it, they're one of those just like, that season was a complete COVID flu. And you want to think, like, another thing that kind of just makes me think they were...
0: A bit fraudulent last year. So they got in the first quarters last year, they got outscored 63 to 12. That and is they were just able, like in all those games, to just like come back or just, you know, tread water until they can come back. And that's not sustainable. No. You can't start like that at over the course of a full normal season and expect to finish six, like undefeated in the conference. And let me tell you right now, if you're January. playing
1: in packed opposing stadiums, you're not coming back from that. That's easier in a quiet environment. I mean, Tulsa doesn't have fans as is. I mean, I don't mean to be mean. Their stadium is... I mean, their student... I think their enrollment is 4,000 people. I mean, their student is the worst environment in the conference. So, like, they were uniquely positioned to play in a season with no fans.
0: Yeah, and it's just... When you look at their team this year, too, like their roster, they're replacing their quarterback. They've got, uh, I guess, Davis Brent is expected to step in. They also... Seth Boomer. You recognize that name? I feel like he's been there for... Eleven years. I don't know why, but I'm like he's still there. Yeah, wait till we get to the whole nailers. But then okay, so you also look at their defense, and they've lost they lost three of their top players, including Zayvon Collins, who was like an All American and great, great one of the player. best defensive yeah. players in the com- in the country last year. And then you so when you talk about all they've lost, they do have Sh- uh, Shamari Brooks coming back. He missed 2020. Um, I think he had a, a knee injury. And they have a pretty good offensive line. But you look at their schedule, and it's not going to do them any favors. Like They're non-conference. They play at Oklahoma State and at Ohio State.
1: In back-to-back weeks. Yeah,
0: which that is, you're losing both of those games. Solid 0-2. And then you have Cincinnati, Tulane, and SMU on the road. And you still you also, at home, your home games aren't that much better. And You have Memphis and Houston, and also Navy, who can be tough.
1: They also, they're out-of-conference they're home games. They've got an FCS and UC Davis. But they've also got Arkansas State. Arkansas State's not a pushover. Arkansas State yeah. can beat them no problem. Yeah, wait. Did I play thirteen games? No. So did you? Just, didn't we just say? You said they have who?
0: Oh, I thought you said they have an FCS and UC Davis. No, an FCS okay. UC Davis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. Then Makes did. sense now. I'm caught up. But yeah, I think I just I don't know. I it's it's funny because like that's I don't know. I, we're predicting I guess a pretty large fall from grace, but I don't. I think it's think totally last fair. Last year was like. They weren't impressive to me last year, despite the fact that they went six and zero in the conference and played for the conference title.
1: They've also done this before. I mean, they've been the AAC. Well, 2016. Yeah, they were... they've been the AAC's doormat since they joined the conference. Then, with the same coaching staff, they randomly went ten and three in 2016. It was just kind of a weird year. And then the year after that, guess what? They fell back down. They were two and ten. Yeah. I, I, so they do this. I mean, I think it's just one of those programs that occasionally things just sort of break their way. But I fully expect them to be a doormat again.
0: Yeah, and I don't. Yeah, I don't expect a lot out of them this year. Yeah. I, yeah, it's just it's just weird too when you look. For, I mean, I guess they do that, but when you look from like one season mm-hmm. to another, you're going from playing for the conference championship to
1: finishing at the bottom of your conference, like which it sucks for whatever fan base exists there. Because I mean, they used to be a consistently really good team. I mean, back in Conference USA, oh, yeah. mean, they're still a thorn in UCF's side. I mean, that well, the thing happened, they don't but get, they don't conference get the USA, guaranteed win them. Them. on their schedule this year playing UCF. That's right. I I, I don't so. care as Basford. I'm Going to be so happy Tulsa's not on the schedule because UCF <laughs> would lose. I know they would. <laughs> so great for UCF. It would be at but, Tulsa, so... Ugh. I mean, assuming they would... Which, they would since good. this is an AAC preview, we should point out that the AAC... St- like, we don't know what the schedule looks like next year. They nope. only announced two years of schedules when UConn left. And it doesn't make sense. Like, Tulane's playing at UCF two years in a row. Again, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, we'll figure it out next we year. We were supposed to get a break from playing Memphis, and instead they sent us to Memphis last year, so... Yeah, none of it makes sense. No, so we'll but, see what happens. Now. We could be who knows. Who we'll be playing next year. We have no idea. It's yeah, I don't know. Except that I'm sure East Carolina, Cincinnati, and Temple and USF will be on there. Of course, those teams. UCF always has to play for some reason. Speaking of East Carolina, great, great, great segue. segue. Great
0: segue. <laughs> Our number eight team in the conference is East Carolina. The Pirates went three and six last year, three and five in the AAC. And I think like I when we were going back and forth on rankings, I think I had them as high as sixth at one point and we kind of just started discussing it and I was like yeah yeah I'm going to drop them down. So we dropped them down to 8th. Yeah, I don't they, so they have they have a sneaky good like
1: amount of talent, but I just don't trust them to actually put it all That's together. That's the thing is like they have the tools to surprise and not be like a championship contender or anything, but be a pretty decent team. I just like they've shown nothing to say that they're going to. I do have a stat on them though. You said they went 3 and 5 in conference. Yes. That's their second best ever conference record in the AAC. Yikes. Yeah. They should be so much better. They should. They were great in Conference USA. And they, like, I just talked about Tulsa's non-existent fan base. East Carolina has, like, a great, really big fan base, kind of comparable to UCF's. Yeah. Another similar stadium size, similar atmosphere, and not these days because they've just been bad. I mean, they've been, like, flat out awful for just years now. I mean, literally for years since they got... They just couldn't adjust the AAC, so me kind of hopes they're better this year, but I I don't know. Well, they I, ended I, they ended twenty twenty with a twenty eight to three win over Temple and then a fifty
0: two to thirty eight win over SMU. That SMU one's a little I think SMU had SMU a lot really, of players out. for Okay. COVID that well, game. still they finished with two wins to the season. Sure. They whatever they can carry from that, cool. But yeah, I mean they have like Holton Naylor's at quarterback. I mean I think there's obviously talent there. He's the guy. He's the kind of guy that's gonna. Put up like I would say, he put up like Jameis Winston type numbers for the Bucks. Like
1: I think my example to you, we were arguing about where to put them. Is you were like, but they, but Aylers is bad, and I was like, yeah, but he's like seven touchdowns, but also four picks. Yeah, bad.
0: yeah. So that's like, the things where he can end up with a, in a game with like four hundred yards and five touchdown passes, but also turn the ball over three or four times. And, I mean, that's not every game, obviously, but I just don't know. He hasn't been
1: consistent enough, and his team around him hasn't been consistent enough for them to do he anything more. He could totally have a final stat line of, like, 40 passing touchdowns and 20 picks. Like, I can totally <laughs> see that. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is,
0: like, they have, they have some talent on their offense, and they bring back 10 starters on defense. Not that their defense was very good
1: last year, but, you know, they're bringing a lot of guys back. Here's the thing. we got to throw a caveat in here. This whole, like, oh, they're bringing a lot of guys back everybody's bringing a lot of guys back. Yeah. I mean, the whole super senior rule, I mean, everyone's bringing a lot of guys back. So I just don't think that means anything, to be honest. And also, like, I don't get what that... Like, when you were really bad and have been bad for the last five years, I don't know why you bringing back the guys that you were bad with is a good
0: thing. Yeah. I, I think it's just a general rule, or, or not a rule, but a general thought, is that, like, oh, there's a year of experience, like... Hopefully that with that with that experience like that they gained from last year. Sure, but it's not be like better, East
1: but. Carolina's been perpetually losing eighty percent of their roster every year. They're just yeah. not good. They just don't have good players. Yeah. we talked about a couple podcasts ago. They're like they have like ten commits for this coming cycle, and nine of them don't even have a star. Like, why are you doing that? They're another team too mm-hmm. that their schedule's not an easy one. No, they're so they've got they could absolutely go one and three non-conference.
0: Conference, so non-conference wise, they have App State. And Loss. uh South Carolina at home. Loss. At Marshall. Loss. And so and then you go to there when you go to the AAC, their four AAC road games are at UCF, at Houston, at Memphis, and at Navy. That that's at best one and three. Yeah. I don't see them I don't see them beating two of those teams, that's for sure. And then at home they get Temple, Tulane, USF, and Cincinnati. So that's not <laughs> There's not a lot
1: of wins on that schedule. One thing I'm realizing going through this is there are a lot of teams, like, we've done three teams now that UCF's playing, and I'm just like, yeah, UCF is going to kill all these teams. Like, well, that's I don't just think the way it of seems like it go. goes
0: every year, except then you get to, like, the big games, and that was the big gripe with Hypo, was yeah. that when it came to big games, that's when UCF
1: folded. I mean, when was the last time, like, a middle-tier AAC team beat UCF? Did it happen last year, and I'm forgetting? I mean, I was going to say Tulsa last year. But... Well, they were the AAC runner-up. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Yeah. Um, I don't know. Oh, I'm an idiot probably win like 4-8 Tulsa in 2019, beat UCF.
0: Oh, well, I would have known, yeah. But it's also just it hard to
1: count Tulsa. That's true. Because UCF just can't yeah, be... Tulsa team, doesn't you. ever count. But, but yeah, I think UCF's going to rack up a lot of blowouts against some of the teams we've... I mean, luckily they don't play Tulsa, but Temple, USF, ECU, none of those teams can be UCF. I don't think there's anything that can happen in the season where those teams can be UCF.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really see it either. But we'll go on, we'll go to number 7 uh, on our power rankings. We have Navy, who uncharacteristically was... Bad last year, they went three and seven, but three. Well, and four in the when you
1: don't tackle <laughs>
0: that was, for a yeah, whole year,
1: that was, that's gonna happen.
0: They had no spring practices, no summer workouts, and then no live tackling before their opening game. And I remember watching some of their opening game against BYU. And I watched it just, the whole game, man.
1: How did you sit there for the whole game? I like college football. We've talked about yeah, it. I mean, if it's on TV, I'll watch it.
0: That's fair. They lost fifty-five to three to BYU, and it just—I mean, at the time, I don't think we really knew that BYU was going to be what they were either. But still, like, you could just tell like the fact that they and I think their coaching staff has like admitted since like that probably wasn't a good idea. Like you,
1: you he admitted it that night on the yeah, field. He yeah, was literally yeah. like, "Yeah." So it turns out not practicing is going to make it hard. And that, for the record, I think Ken Niimatololo is a really good coach. Oh, I think he's, a he's great I think he might be the best coach coach. in the conference. And you know what? In the grand scheme of the world, I don't think we didn't practice because we didn't want our players to get COVID. Right. is like the worst reason to not practice. Right. Like, I understand.
0: It was weird, too, because they had like such an up and down year. So they lost 55-3 to three to BYU. Then they came back in the next game and beat Tulane on the road 27-24.
1: That one pissed me off because that lose, was Tulane's year. Then they yeah. lose
0: 40-7 to seven at Air Force. And they come back and beat Temple by 2, beat ECU by 4. And then they drop games pretty badly to Houston, SMU. And they lose 10-7 to 7 to Memphis and 19-6 to 6 to Tulsa.
1: But, I mean, part of it is, like, when you're an option team. That's yeah. kind of, that's just kind of, the kind of life.
0: Another thing Niamatololo said, and I think this was in the, uh, the athletic, like, state of the program on Navy, was that last year they just didn't have the pieces that they needed to run the way they wanted to run. Right. And so he, I think he likened it to, like, being a basketball team that's, like, all about, like, attacking in the paint and not having your big men all of them go down so you just start shooting threes and you can't yeah. shoot threes so i guess that's basically what they did i think there was a game in there i think it was the smu game where they like they actually threw the ball well because they scored they were, 37 I, of, points yeah out so of necessity they're like all right well, we just gotta throw the ball and it worked out to where they scored 37 points but i mean i
1: mean part of it is i think they were just hit a lot harder too because the naval academy was i mean regardless of how you feel about the decision a lot of the south with covid and college football was like we're just going to do whatever and yeah. go for the best. And the Naval Academy had very, very strict guidelines on everything. I mean, they were, that was a, I think that was a much tougher season for those guys and for a lot of other guys. So, like, I just, I'm not putting a lot of stock in that year. I think Navy, Navy is a hard team to beat no matter what. And I think, yeah. I don't think they're going to be like top rung this year or anything. We have them at seventh in the conference. But I think that's, I could see like a decent, here's their problem is they have, like, I think the most brutal seven-game stretch I've ever seen. Is it the one that starts with Houston? Yes. Yeah. They go at Houston, UCF, SMU, at Memphis, Cincinnati, Tulsa, at Notre Dame. They could realistically go 0-7 in that stretch. But I think they could just as easily split, like, those games. I, I – they could just as easily be 5-2. and two. I I, yeah. I really – I mean, it's just when you're an option team, you never know. But, I mean, that is just – that's what's. That's why they're there to me. Where we rank them because of that stretch. If their schedule worked out differently, I think they could be like an eight and four, even a nine and three team this year. I think Not yeah. with that. And
0: stretch. I think I put a lot of stock into just it's Navy's always hard to beat. Like they, they don't we don't Maybe they reason. don't know who their quarterback's going to be. They don't know like their fullback who was like going to be you know their big guy Jamel Carruthers. He was dismissed from the academy back in the spring, and there so they don't know how they're going to replace him. There's a lot of question marks. I mean they do. From the last game of last year, they they're bringing back ten of their defensive starters again. You said it doesn't really matter who they're bringing back, but like to to have some continuity on a defense that at
1: times last year they only gave up ten points to Memphis. They gave I think well, it Tulsa, matters with an option team because that is a very specific system. Like yeah, they they that's gave up different. fifteen to Army. So it's like just they, more like that doesn't matter to me with like teams that have been bad for five yeah. years. Like it's like okay, well yeah.
0: So it, I don't know. I I think. I'm putting a lot of stock in just, I don't think that Navy's going to ever really be, like, down for a lot of years in a row. No, they never are. And I, so I, I would, I could see them finishing fourth or fifth in the conference. Yeah, I could too. But I don't with, like that UCF has to play them. With the unknown. And that, that's the thing, too, is UCF having to play at Navy to open
1: conference play, it's pretty tough. I don't put any stock in, like, the whole opening conference play thing. I think it's just another game. But Well, yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's I, I don't think UCF's going to lose. Like, I don't I'd, be, I'd be really surprised. I don't but either. I also like I think like, it's going to be a tougher game than a lot of people probably expecting. It'll to. be a game that like UCF will win like like 28-17 and the whole fan base will like implode or something. The whole, the whole fan base is going to implode every week anyway. Um, I think that's the point we I don't think to. they can find a way to over the Bethune-Cookman game. No, they can. Are you kidding me? Yeah, we'll see. If we don't we'll score no enough
0: points like <laughs> if it's not 65 to 7 then and if it's like well, if it's 38 to no, 0 no because I'm
1: trying to think back because in 2018 it was 38 to nothing it was against SC State, SC State I don't remember complaining about oh, really? Milton's performance because Milton didn't play well he threw three
0: guys but yeah they weren't complaining about that we didn't score enough points on SC no, State no I want to and, contest
1: that I don't remember people being that angry about that I, I don't know for some because it was,
0: it was obviously it was after 2017 when they went undefeated and they are yeah. like well if you're going to have like a team like SC State on the schedule you're going to have to like get the style points from this game And but why It's an FC, it doesn't mean anything. Cause that's the way people. Feel.
1: I don't like. That's the thing. Is like I. I don't care what happens in an FCS game. Like I just. I. Just the don't score. Get hurt. Yeah. Just don't. Bam more. Like, that's, that's the yeah, thing. that, that was, comes to mind is Bam more. But, but that's the thing because people always like like you always see like something stupid every year like I think it was like Miami a couple years ago they beat an FCS team like seventy seven nothing or something and like they got moved up in the polls over that people were like whoa <laughs> and then it's like oh they lost the next three like it's like I yeah. like you can do whatever you want to an FCS team so who cares if you score twenty points or seventy points it just doesn't matter it's just, just a it's a game. filler game get out of the
0: game healthy yeah that's all I'm, that's all I care about honestly. Until we get there, I'm gonna be like, oh, I wanted to see like the third and fourth. No, I'll be. I I want to see like I'll be throwing a
1: fit when it's the second. I'm like, where's Mikey Keene? Like, I I know I'm gonna do it, but you know. Yeah, but as far as like, yeah, it's just you can't put a lot of stock in that. You know, for people like us, that's cool because like you know, like if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you're like us, and that's cool. You want to see like the future, and you want to see some young guys. Like, for a casual college football fan, what is the appeal in an SES game? Even if you're a fan of that team, there's just not. There's just not right. There's just no reason to watch that game. No. All right, we'll go ahead and move on
0: to number six. We've got Memphis, who went 8-3 and three last year, 5-3 and three in the AAC. Finally got a win over UCF. Um, it was weird there. Their losses, they lost three, a three-point loss at SMU. They lost by 39 at Cincinnati and lost by 14 at Tulane. Uh, they won the Montgomery Bowl over FAU. And they're replacing their quarterback with either Grant Gunnell, from the, he transferred from Arizona, or former LSU recruit Peter Parrish. So, I mean, two options there that seem like they could be good, but you don't really know what you're getting to replace a guy like Brady White who could throw the ball all over the place. And been
1: there for 12 years? Yeah. Um, I felt bad putting Memphis this low because they're like a consistent top three team, but like yeah. they just lost too much. They're also like, while UCF and SMU have been like, re- like building up their teams through the transfer portal, hmm. like Memphis is getting rated. Yeah, by Power they, 5 they lost
0: their number two receiver to USC. They lost their starting left tackle to TCU. So, I mean, it's just... Let me tell you right now, that is
1: not a reputation you want to yeah. earn as the group of five school that Power 5 teams look at to add players.
0: That and is to, be, to be fair, they, they've added to something. They, they added the, the Arizona transfer quarterback. They added uh, former Auburn recruit, uh, Asa Martin, at running back. So, I mean, they've added some guys. but Yeah, to yeah have, the Power to 5 have starting, teams aren't coming in and taking not guys, good players. Like, they're taking yeah. your best guys. To have starting guys, a number two receiver, and your starting left tackle, that's, that's a tough loss. And then... I mean their their schedule's not. I wouldn't say their schedule's like brutal.
1: It's, it's not. It's manageable. Yeah. They're so, just. They I with, just don't know how talented they, they are. They
0: start with at Temple and at Tulsa, which should be both wins. And they go home against Navy on a Thursday, and then the following Friday they play at UCF, and they follow that with SMU and ECU at home, then at Houston and then Tulane. So, I I don't know. I just I don't know how talented they're going to be this year. They're they're having to reload a lot and they out of conference isn't
1: horrible either. Yeah. It was pretty. It's pretty much a bunch of breeze, isn't it? It, well, it's not. They got an SEC too. They got Mississippi State at home, and I, I don't know if they're talented yeah. enough to win that right now. But I think they'll beat Nichols, Arkansas you State. Think they'll beat Nichols. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> okay. Yes, they will beat Nichols. Right. I think the, I think I was. I think I was thinking Arkansas State. I no, think okay. they'll beat Arkansas State. They will yeah. beat UTSA. So like, they could honestly like go like eight and four. Yeah, which yeah, that, you know, I think. Which I think probably for where they're at, their fans would be fine with that. Yeah, and then
0: next year they'd expect probably a lot more because they'll have a more, yeah.
1: But honestly, when the schedule came out, I was – and I've said it a lot of times this podcast – having to play – UCF has to play Cincinnati and Memphis in a six-day span. And I'm like, wow, they're screwed. Yeah. More fun, I'm like, I don't know how tough that Memphis game is going to be. It's not going to be fun. And it's yeah. going to suck coming off the Cincinnati game. And I think UCF could lose that game. But I also like – it when the schedule came out in like February, that was – that felt like a way more daunting sort So the Cincinnati games first, like,
0: right? Yeah. So I don't. The way I'm looking at it, and this is probably just way too simplistic, but I'm thinking, okay. So if they lose the Cincinnati game, I think they would. They'll be hungry. and they'll, they'll rebound and beat Memphis. And if they beat Cincinnati, I don't think it's a letdown the next week. I think it's like, all right, we're
1: on a roll right now. We're gonna beat Memphis. So Memphis is screwed no matter what. That's, what, also, that's how I feel. But I don't know if that's completely super dis- important part of this. Look good, play good. We now know Memphis is the space game. This that's true. true. UCF doesn't lose space games. They this, never have. This is true. They've also never played a good team in a space game, but it doesn't matter. So yeah. 2018 Temple is probably the closest they would have come there. I think that team was eight and five. Yeah. So so. Yeah. But then again, I think we're predicting Memphis to be about eight and five. So. Yeah. So, I mean, it's about it's about the same level, yeah. I
0: think. But yeah, and I think, I think again, like this is Memphis that you know they could fit very very well finish third or fourth in the conference. We have them at sixth, but I think yeah, they can't finish third. You think so? Nah. We'll see. Yeah, we will. Uh, number five, we got Tulane, who went six and yeah, six we last do. year, six and six, three and five in the AAC. They lost three – three of their six losses were by one possession. That's, they were close. That's, they were close that's last crazy. year. That's crazy. That's like some hype alone. They were close last year, but then when you're looking at their schedule, they play Oklahoma and at Ole Miss in non-conference. Two wins. Which is
1: yeah, – okay. Um, okay, can we just actually, like, take a moment to, to, like, reflect on the fact that they are hosting Oklahoma. To open the season. In their on-campus 30,000-seat stadium. Oklahoma – How did that happen? I have no idea. They're not going to win, but, like, that's hilarious. Like, Oklahoma's going to play in a 30,000 seat. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to love it, and I'm going to watch probably the whole game. But Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be great. 11 a.m.
0: kick. Excited. They've got also in a five-week stretch in conference play. They play Houston, at SMU, Cincinnati, and at UCF. They have a bye, game, a bye week mixed That's in. a three-in-one stretch, no problem.
1: But... Is that... No, I'm just kidding. kidding. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I'm, all, I'm very high on Tulane, and I also think they're going to go 8-4 or 7-5. You <laughs> like, know what's
0: weird? And I mean, I know this is probably going to be a, a chance for you to just trash FPI, but ESPN's FPI gives them the second um, the second highest chances to win the AAC.
1: I don't care. FPI means nothing. But that's, isn't that like... That it doesn't seems... matter. Know, when you look at FPI's formula, it literally means nothing. They
0: have a 19% chance to win the AAC.
1: No, they don't, because so FPI doesn't mean anything. Have you looked at the formula they use? Like coaching stability plays a role. It's just well, that's the thing. It's weird because they also nothing. don't
0: have coaching stability. They replaced both. No, of their no, 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 no. FBI only looks at head coach stability. Oh,
1: wow. Because it's a stupid formula that okay. means nothing. Well, so yeah, yeah, Willie
0: Fritz has been there since I think 2016. So or they're, yeah, they're replacing both of their coordinators. They do have quarterback Michael Pratt. Yeah, they do. Um, threw for 20 touchdowns and eight picks last year. Also Yay, ran ben. for eight touchdowns. Christian loves him. I'm um, big um, Michael Pratt fan. Yeah, big big Michael Pratt. Second favorite best quarterback. They've got Ty J Spears coming back from a torn ACL and Cam Carroll who stepped in from last year uh, ran for 741 yards and 12 touchdowns. So they've got the talent on offense. They've got two two strong receivers that I think an experienced offensive line. So I mean, offensively, I think they're going to be pretty good. Um, and then across the board, I know like in the I think it was in the state of the program for them on the athletic, they're returning over 50 percent of their production like at every level. Which yeah, is, I mean, that's... as is
1: everybody. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I just love Tulane's story because it's easy to forget now, but, like, they, for basically the entire 21st century, were, like, UConn level. Like, they were yeah. awful. And Willie Fritz came in, and he had the most steady— By the way, if you don't know this, my Tulane love started because when they played at UCF in 2016, I got hired as a freelancer to cover the game for the Times-Picayune. Uh, from Tulane's perspective, obviously. So I like researched and learned a lot about Tulane and spoke with Willie Fritz, and I was like, okay, yeah, I, I, I like this guy's going places. And I, I, he ended up going. I mean, he came in. Tulane was coming off back and back three nine seasons. He had the most steady build ever, which is like, I'm like I'm gonna go off on a tangent here, but it's like more teams need to give head coaches more time. Like when you are a perennially bad team, stop firing coaches every two seasons. Yep. He came in and took over a team that was three nine back to back years. They've been two and like awful forever, and they went. Four and eight in his first year, then five and seven, then seven and six with a the bowling, then seven and six again, and six and six. I mean, he just very steadily built them up to where they're now a middle of the pack team with a chance to make that leap. I mean, like, hey, if you're if you're a bad team out there, look at Tulane. Look at what Tulane did. They gave a head coach time and they steadily like, built it up. If you're bad anyway, what's the rush? What's the rush? Like no, I mean, it, it, you're gonna have to give it. To, you're gonna have to give a coach time at some point. Yeah, Ball State's another example. Of that Ball State's been bad for freaking ever. They had a head coach who they almost fired him a couple years in because they were still bad. They stuck with him. They just won the MAC.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's a good
1: example that I think is going to get completely ignored by the rest of college it is. football. But that's why I I just like telling a story like that cuz it's pretty rare that you watch like a college football. I mean, yeah, it, there's ups and downs, but for the most part, for 90% of teams, you pretty much are the same forever. And it's cool that this is a team that is changing their own destiny. Yeah. Yeah, let's go
0: ahead. Let's get to the top 4 and I mean, I think it's, it's funny. There's As I started to do my research, and we talked about this a little bit last week, but I didn't feel like there were a ton of teams that could win the conference this year. And after doing research, which I guess is how this works, how research is supposed to work, I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, there's actually some pretty, pretty good teams near the top of the AAC. It's a deep year. At four, we have Houston, who went three and five last year, three and three in the AAC. But this is a team that has a lot of veteran talent and a lot of depth, and they have a super easy schedule. Their schedule is so, a breeze. I mean, they're like they played Texas Tech to open the season, but the rest of their uh, non-conference is easy. Which also, ooh, Texas Tech. Yeah, they avoid <laughs> they avoid UCF and Cincinnati. They've got you know, speaking of Texas Tech, you know they have two Texas Tech transfers on their offense. Do they? That's yeah. kind of funny.
1: That's They've probably got, why Texas Tech does not want them joining the yeah, Big Twelve. John
0: Henry, uh, transferred from Texas Tech at running back, and then Keyshawn Carter, who also uh, a receiver, who transferred. And you know they're returning again, like they're returning like everybody is, but they're returning a lot of guys. Um, on their defense, and like I said, there's there's a lot of depth on the team, a lot of talent, like a lot of a lot of uh, experience. I like Clayton Tune. Yeah, And he's good. Good quarterback, Clayton Toon. and they have such an easy schedule. He's better than
1: Desmond Ritter. They have such an easy schedule. No, they do. Their schedule is a joke. I, I, that's my that's literally my main reason for having them where they are. Like I, okay. The other thing about Houston that's interesting to me, and I'm curious if you agree. This is gonna be a long podcast. I'm looking at the time where yeah. right I now. Um. You know, like, I, like, they are kind of like the Texas of the AAC, which might be, like, kind of a weird comparison since they're literally in the state of Texas. But, like, they have been bad for a couple years now. Yeah. Um, they actually have never been good except for one year. Outside of the Peach Bowl, they've never been good. And I still, every time I see Houston's logo or just, like, see Houston on TV, I'm like, that's a good football team. Like, I don't know (laughs) why, but that's just how I feel. And I feel like most people feel that way about Houston. I think the other thing is they've been bad
0: for a few years now, which is, like, uh, like, it's this houston this year this, year, like, this yeah. year they're gonna be very be, be better this year. but like, it's this like year. what are we
1: even compared to they literally they won the peach bowl in 2015 which was six years ago now that was a great year they went nine and four the next year then they had then they went i think they went seven and five then back to back eight and five seasons like they're five basically every single year in the aac they're five and three but i'm just like oh it's houston like i don't know why yeah i mean that's the thing too like they they have they have the talent they recruit well they're in houston they're in like they're in texas and they, I mean, they on paper have more advantages than UCF does as far as becoming a group of five.
0: If we're, yeah, I mean, if you're going to get to a point where you say like, "Oh, Houston is back," like everyone wants to say Texas is back every year, like this is going to be the year that Houston should, you know, make a make a charge of the conference championship.
1: Which is why this realignment stuff is super interesting to me because when I mean, and we'll see what happens. Not the Big 12's suing the TV <laughs> provider. I don't know how that's going to go, but like. You know, like, Texas Tech, like, we've already read about it. Like, Texas Tech and TCU and Baylor, to an extent, they do not want Houston as or part SMU. of that deal. But SMU doesn't have a chance, because the SMU shares a city with TCU. So SMU, yeah. unfortunately, does not have a chance to get into that conference. But Which I also... A shame, honestly. Yeah, and they, UCF like, fans might like... not... Yeah, UCF fans not, might not want to hear this. But, like... Even if UCF and Cincinnati go to the Big 12, I don't think that's going to be much different. Like, I think the AAC and Big 12 are not going to be perceived that differently from each other. So, it's not like SMU can't become something now yeah. if they don't if they don't go there. But, yeah, I'm curious because, like, Houston, they don't want them in there because they know. It's like, you give them another $10 million a year, they're going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's the thing is they already, every year, already have a potential to be a problem for, especially on the recruiting trail for those other teams. Um, yeah, I'm the glad UCF's Texas, not playing them. So... Um yeah, we go ahead. We'll go ahead and move into the top 3. And this is where we had some contention because Sure did. Um which if you listen to the last podcast, yeah, you'll know what it. Yeah. which would sense because of course on the last podcast, I had UCF finishing second in the conference. Christian did not. Yep. So, this is the concession that Christian made. Uh we put SMU at 3 and UCF at 2. We're not going to like go into an in-depth preview about UCF because this is a UCF podcast and we have weeks to do that. Think about that the, sentence <laughs> you just said. That yeah, that makes no sense. But this is an AAC preview. We've got like UCF. That's the thing. Is like we have so much to talk about it for UCF that it makes no sense to just like. Yeah, I don't know what we're gonna head. say. I mean, we said it on the other twenty-seven podcasts. Yeah, and then we also have like leading up to the season, we're gonna have podcasts where we preview the team and preview everything about them. So anyway, number three, SMU in the conference. They went seven and three last year,
1: four and three in the AAC, and that just this is a really good team. The they are so good man. They're so good. And I know the one thing people people are pointing out is like, "Oh, they lost their quarterback," which is true. Shane Burchell is really good. They've got a few different options at quarterback. One of which I didn't realize is, Did "You know they have a four-star quarterback that they recruited is it Preston Stone?" Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. They also have a transfer from Oklahoma.
0: You know, Oklahoma quarterbacks are just Heisman like Yeah, they're going to be locks. freaking good. That
1: offense is going to be deadly. They bring back all their I mean they are they're, they're going to be good man. They're, they're also be their high. running back's name is Ulysses Bentley the 4th. So that He's, that's a 1,000 yards just for the name. Yeah, And then you no, go from is. there. I mean... It
0: is. And then he's... like, that's the thing is he's not even, like, their only, like, option in the backfield. They've got a deep backfield. All five starting offensive linemen are back. They've got a lot of talent at wide receiver. Their offense is going to be very, very good. And their defense needs to improve this year. But they have a new defensive coordinator and Jim Levitt, Former... Yeah, USF that's coach. right. Former former USF coach Jim Levitt is in as their defensive coordinator. They've got a good front seven. They've got talented linebacker. And they have starters coming back in the secondary. And they also... Added uh, cornerback from Florida, uh, Jahari Rogers, who is supposed to be, you know, a a big deal for them. So it's like they've got talent at every position, at every level of the offense and defense. They might end up
1: as the best team in the conference. They might, but they also have a decently tough schedule. Eh, they're fine. They can win all those games. They 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 can win every game on their schedule. They're one of, I think, literally three teams in the conference that I can say they have a chance to win every game they play. You know how you
0: mentioned the thing about Houston and how you like see them? Oh, that's a good team. Yeah, this is gonna make no sense, and this is okay. based off of like anything. But I look at Louisiana Tech and I'm like, oh, like that could be a, a decent. That could be pretty.
1: It's decent. your LSU bias
0: showing. I don't know how. Like, how though?
1: I don't know. It's not. Hey, they did beat Miami a
0: couple. That's years. what I'm saying. Like I don't know. It's just I'm always like, oh, like Louisiana Tech. That'll be a tough game for SMU. Like it probably won't. I don't think it. Will but be. it could be. And they play at TCU and, and non-conference, and then in, in the conference in consecutive weeks, they play at Houston, at Memphis, at home against UCF, and then at Cincinnati. So, so here was my reasoning.
1: Stretch. Here was my reasoning for having predicting a conference championship game of Cincinnati and SMU. Yes, is I'm just looking at. I, I think that there is UCF, Cincinnati, and SMU, and then the rest of the AAC this year. I think there's other teams that can rise up because I think there's a lot of teams. That, but I think those three, as of now, separate. I would I'd group in Houston just because of okay. the depth and that's fine. the fact they don't have a hard schedule. At all. So Cincinnati gets to play UCF at home. SMU gets to play UCF at home. So I think UCF just ends up as the odd man out between those three because of that. They have to go on the road for both those games. Whereas yeah. since, whereas SMU gets to host UCF and so does Cincinnati. And Cincinnati gets to host SMU. So I just going by. And I, I know it never works out exactly that way. But that was just my reasoning as far as UCF kind of drew the short end of the sick as far, as far as scheduling for those two teams.
0: Hear me out though. Hear me out. UCF-SMU conference championship game.
1: Honestly, I could totally see it. <laughs> I, I, I think in some ways it's more likely than a UCF Cincinnati conference championship game. I wonder what, like, Cincinnati is. God, I don't mean to, like, attack them as much as I do. Well, we're going to really get don't. to them because we have them as number one in the conference. So, do okay, okay. you want to
0: just jump okay. in now? Because SMU is good. Okay. They're going to yeah, be very good. They in. could be the best team in the conference. Yeah. So, okay. UCF,
1: go listen to their twenty-seven podcast. We can explain what they're doing. And
0: the ensuing podcast
1: in the Los next on air here. Dylan Gabriel's the best quarterback in the conference. The defense should be much improved. They brought in lots of transfers. Blah, 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 blah. Go next charge on. Okay. <laughs> they just, uh, like, we just don't care about UCF. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, hey, I really like. I don't know. Like, should we have a whole conversation about a team that we talk about every well, week? Well, no, because I mean, we're go, like,
0: I'm on the schedule leading up to the Boise State game. We have one week where we're previewing yeah, we'll the offense, and okay. one so week, yeah, I think we'll be okay. So I think
1: we'll cover We'll get okay. So Cincinnati. They, like, and I don't mean to attack Cincinnati as much as I do. I just yes, genuinely feel this way. No, I mean <laughs> to attack Desmond Ritter as much as I do. Cincinnati, it's different. Do you know what I wrote in my notes? What? Mickey Mouse fraudulent 2020. Oh, my God. <laughs> but then I went in to say, actually, they were actually really good. They were so, a very good, too. Yeah. they're probably going to be very good this year. But, like, Houston was very good in 2016. Yeah. Coming off of a Peach Bowl. And Houston lost and unraveled. And they're talking about the playoff for Cincinnati. Well, UCF talked about the playoff when they went undefeated. No, just... Oh, wait, Cincinnati didn't go undefeated. <laughs> I, just, That's I don't know. I think it's
0: not just like Cincinnati talking about the playoff. It's no, like, they're in it. It's like the the wider media is saying, like, oh yeah, they've, they've got a case.
1: I know UCF lost Scott Frost, but UCF started the season after they went thirteen 0 21st. They returned their quarterback. They were they returned everybody twenty first. Cincinnati's gonna be in the top ten to start the year. That's it's stupid. It's fine. UCF will handle that, but I actually don't know if they will. <laughs> I UCF just that game. But I do think I am curious because that India at Indiana and at Notre Dame. In back-to-back games, I know there's a buy in there, they're not gonna win both of those. If they drop both those games, they are going to crumble. You don't go through a whole offseason talking like I am the, we're gonna bust the playoff, we're on the best teams in the country. You don't then start two and two and come back.
0: On the flip side, if they win those games, like their conference schedule, the way it like lines up is very favorable. If
1: they start that stretch four and then
0: yeah, they're gonna steamroll. They've it. got Temple, then they play UCF, and then they go at Navy, at Tulane and they go back and the rest of the games it's tulsa at home at usf and they finish at home against smu and then at ecu
1: when you just label it as their road conference games are navy tulane usf and east carolina like that yeah, yeah. that's not tough but we'll see Well, i mean we're gonna see what they're made of i mean they just haven't shown us anything yet like they didn't win their peach Bowl. you know it's like you see you sit going in 2018 we knew that was a tough team they did be- that three game stretch they went through of usf and then memphis and auburn like ninety nine percent teams that kills them and they like yeah. they showed us what they were made of. We have not seen what Cincinnati's made of yet. Yeah,
0: and for all for all the hesitation about Cincinnati, obviously they're gonna be a good team. Like they are not got, gonna be worse than third in the conference. They've got they've got a lot of talent I mean, as much as <laughs> Christian and as long as we talk about Desmond Ritter, I mean he's he's gonna be a good quarterback. He's gonna play well. Wow. and okay, Christian. Um they've got running back Jerome Ford of Alabama transfer. Um ran for 400, 483 yards and eight touchdowns last year and he's gonna have to step into a bigger role this year. Um, you know, tight ends are big in the passing game for them. They've got uh, they do have to replace both of their all AAC offensive tackles. That's not that an easy tough. thing to do, that's and they say like is what they've said saying. like the coaching staff is like confident in all the guys they have, which is what they're going to say anyway. But it's just I think that's that could be a sneaky tough thing to do when I mean, you're replacing both of your tackles. Um, but then I mean their defense every year is just is strong. It's yeah. a strong defense, and no. they've got they've got a good pass rush. They've got one of the better pass rushers in the country in Majay Saunders it's and they've got you know a bunch of super seniors
1: coming back all over the place so they're going to be good no they're going to be very good like i said they're not going to be worse third in the conference i yeah. i we've talked about this on the last podcast i think one or two podcasts ago that i always tend to get more nervous as we get closer to the season and i'm like peak freaking out about how easy is going to be now like i'm <laughs> quite concerned well we've got 5 weeks left you can't be at peak yet like we're gonna it's gonna we're going to need to get like I've gone from like in February. Well, I'm out like once Small came in, and everything. I think I went from like I, st- I said early on, like I think 10 and 2. I pretty much stuck to that. And then we got like right around the spring game, I started being like, nah, they could like be a New Year's 6 team. And now I'm, and now I'm down to like 8 and 4. Like I'm just like, <laughs> I, I'm getting so stressed as we get close to the season. Because I just start naturally thinking about everything that could go wrong. I'm like, well, what if like a Small Zahn isn't like, what if it was all, what if he's not a good coach? Like, which I know he is. We have a decade of his coaching career to look yeah. at, but I, it's just, I'm just, I'm, I'm panicking. I'm in panic mode, everybody. Well, week by week, you might go into even deeper into panic mode. We'll have to get some, yeah. like... I You don't even remember, like, go. going into 2018 by the first game against UConn, I was like, I don't know if UCF can win this game. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. We, we watched were... that game together, too. I was so freaked out. I was like, what... Because I just remember, I mean, like, what happens when they win this game, like, 21-7? to And it's like, oh, man, it was just one... Spe- what if it really was Frost? Like, I... Yeah. You know. Yeah. So.
0: Well, okay. Well, we'll jump We'll jump in uh, <laughs> to our football news. We're already, like, up against the time. This is one of our longer podcasts, but thank you for sticking with us. Uh, football news UCF football I know everybody cares so much about this let me actually don't mean to downplay this because like some people do care about this but they're on TikTok now so go give them a follow if you're if you're big into TikTok um, another some um, some pretty cool news Gabe Davis Traquan Smith and Nate Evans were among some NFL players who teamed up with Walt Disney World to provide back-to-school backpacks for kids at the Boys and Girls Club of Central Florida love seeing stuff like that I mean especially when like, they're coming back to where they played in college and and doing such good in the community that's great to see uh, Jalen Robinson was named to the Bletnikoff Award watch list, and you know, well deserved. And I thought, I mean, last year, obviously he didn't get all the way up there, but I mean, he was close to a thousand yards last year, and it's it only makes sense for him to be on that watch list this year. Um, and another watch list news: uh, Cole Schneider was named to the Outland Trophy watch list for uh, one of the top, being one of the top uh, interior offensive linemen in the country. So a lot of talent over UCS uh, offense and defense, really. Um, UCF held a ladies night on Thursday and that seemed to go over really well it seemed like a, a really fun thing for uh, all the ladies out there and they it just the videos and pictures that came out from it seemed like a great time um, Shaquille Griffin signed with the Miami Dolphins on a one year deal and I don't know if you saw this but did you see when they asked uh, Shaquille about it oh, yes. Shaquille was like I'm already talking trash to him he said I told him I might over because like, they play uh, in October in London he was like I might even go over to him and push him over during pregame like, that's just funny to hear because uh, they've been on the same team for just forever Uh, So kind of weird to have them on separate teams now, but also kind of fun at the same time. Uh, Game day themes and UCF fans wear was announced for the 2021 season. Boise State game will be a blackout. Uh, UCF fans obviously wear black. Bethune-Cookman, they want everyone to wear anthracite. Don't know how well that's going to go over. As Um, well as it goes every year. ECU is a fan's choice game. Memphis is the space game, as Christian mentioned earlier. Tulane, they want everyone to wear white. That's the homecoming game. UConn is military appreciation, and then the USF game is senior night, and it's a blackout. And this is a chance for both of us to just say we. The, Christian and I have talked about this I think every year, and it just they should just go with blackout for night games, whiteout for day games.
1: I don't, like. I, don't, I don't, like. Do you own anthracite clothes?
0: Is I have anthracite like a, a color you can buy. I have a UCF soccer shirt that they gave away like back in 2016. I think it was. That's like dark gray. That I guess you could pass off as anthracite, but it's. No. Unless you go buy an anthracite jersey or an anthracite, like, they sell stuff, obviously. Maybe that's, like, the goal. Go buy anthracite merchandise. Yes, but just, like, but
1: no one wants to like, just do, yeah.
0: do it. Just do do white for day games, black for night games. It would be a, a cool thing. I also
1: used do. to like it because I was like, ooh, when they release it, I can get hints as to what uniform combos they were. <laughs> Until, like, SC State was an anthracite game and they wore the black nighthead jerseys. So yeah. So, like, okay, this just means nothing to me.
0: Yeah. Uh, downtown orlando stop for the charge on tour was announced for august 13th and ucf football's kickoff luncheon was announced for august 19th so a couple more signs that we're getting closer and closer to the season and uh, as far as three notable things from around the kingdom kingdom elsewhere outside of football uh, some ucf players all across different sports signed to play professionally in different places kk wright former women's basketball star signed to play in sweden chad brown signed in greece Uh, yannick Ertl the goalkeeper for ucf men's soccer Uh, signed with New England Revolution two of the USL. They're in the USL, right? I think all the two teams are in the USL. Uh, Jordan Rathbone also signed from UCF Baseball, signed to play in the Frontier League and Independent League. Um, So congratulations to all of them. Good to see them continuing their careers. Men's golf uh, alum Ricardo Guvea won the Italian Challenge over the weekend. He posted a 16-under, 268. And uh, finally, in terms of baseball news, uh, alum Dylan Moore was at the center of the MLB World on Monday night uh, he had a game-winning grand slam for the Mariners in the bottom of the eighth to beat the Astros 11-8 to after Seattle was trailing at 7-0 at one point. So a huge comeback for the Mariners, who were m- moving their way into playoff contention, with uh, Dylan Moore, former UCF Knight, uh, delivering the big hit on Monday. And with that, we'll jump in real quick to the Drip U quiz sessions, uh, entering week 9 at 11-6.
1: And, and So Twitter's been exploding while we're on this. Oh, no. Um, for why? The ESPN Big 12 thing. Oh. ESPN, this is from Dennis Dodd of CBS, ESPN conspired with the American Athletic Conference to take three to five teams from the Big 12 to destabilize the league so that Texas and Oklahoma would not have to pay exit fees to join the SEC. <laughs> so that's what's been going on really Oh on this boy! podcast. Well. So... Okay, we're going to wrap this up so I can go get on Twitter and figure out what's going not. on. But, uh, yeah, you're not on the hook for drippy this week. Okay, uh, cool. So I'm, I'm glad because I don't. Uh, Mike on Twitter at MDNight2016 this week asked me if I could put together a 12-game schedule of UCF's uniforms where they don't wear the same combo twice and they can't wear any part of the combo in back-to-back weeks. I like this. Like, can't wear the same helmet, jersey, or anything. So I did it. It was pretty easy. You were there when I did it. It took yeah. me like 10 minutes. I like it. Um, All right, so here's my, and and this is obviously exactly what will happen, because, you know. So for Boise State, I have pewter helmet, black jersey, black pants. Combo I have long wanted to see and love. Bethune-Cookman, I've got white helmet, anthracite jersey, white pants. Last worn, I believe, in the Fiesta Bowl against LSU, which went well. Um, (laughs) Then Louisville, uh, I have black helmet, white jersey, black pants. We saw that against USF this past year, but I'd like to see it with the reverse UCF decal. The white UCF decal looks Mm. so good. Navy, I have Peter helmet, Peter jersey, Peter pants. We haven't seen all Peter looking in a few years. I think it could be a good one for Navy. East Carolina, white helmet, black jersey, black pants, last worn in 2018 against Memphis. I just think it's a very nice combo and I'd like to see it at home. Cincinnati, I've got gold helmet, white head jersey, and white pants, which I actually like genuinely really hope they wear. I think that was yeah, great. I like that. Memphis is space. Uh, Temple, I've got white helmet, white knight head jersey, and gold pants. I just kind of came up with that one, and I really want to see it. I think the gold pants and the gold numbers obviously match. And if you have the chrome gold decal, that could look cool. Hmm. Tulane, gold helmet, anthracite jersey, anthracite pants. That's right. Tulane's a big game gold game now. They (laughs) were against Georgia Tech this past year. SMUs are white out. White helmet, white jersey, white pants. Then for UConn, I've got a new combo. Pewter helmet, anthracite jersey, pewter pants. Don't know if it looked good, but I'm kind of interested to see it. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, Is there enough difference there? I'm not sure. I I want to see it. it, But I'd see it. Um, and then USF is our blackout. So there you yeah, go. I like it. I did that at an Orlando City game. Well done. Thanks. All right. Well <laughs> so done. We're going to go figure well out done. what the hell's going on with college yeah, football. Yeah, that's.
0: Now. Oh, I don't even know where to begin with that, but good thing we don't have to talk about it yet. Um, until next week, you can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at BYCA Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. We'll be back next week with episode 29. I'm sure college football will continue to fall apart as we're waiting for episode (laughs) 29. But we want to thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.
1: Bye, everybody.